From COK Studios in Ira Glass's Menagerie, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Cordell Nutbrock. On today's show, we'll consider some of the unintended consequences of the ongoing government shutdown. We'll also consider some of the works that just recently entered the public domain with our book expert, Lynn Ruffle, and filmmaker, Neil Thenardier. And we'll consider that my New Year's resolution is to get fatter, drink more, take up smoking, and be meaner. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from PBN, now showing the new 22-part American Heritage series, What's the Frequency, Nerds? The History of Ham Radio. Check local listings for showtimes. And the Christian Bale Foundation, helping support actors as they wildly gain and lose weight for movie and television roles, despite the fact that it can't be good for them. Formerly known as the Tom Hanks Foundation. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Cordell Notbrock. President Trump continues to call for more than $5.7 billion for the construction of a border wall as the partial government shutdown stretches into its third week. Talks have remained at an impasse over the president's funding request for the wall, despite his legendary deal-making skills. Democrats have offered $1.3 billion for the construction of a fence and border security. The president has said he will not budge on the money he is requesting. The partial government shutdown has left more than 800,000 federal employees furloughed or working without pay, which Trump says is all right because most of those federal workers agree with his plan to build the wall. There are many unintended consequences of the government shutdown that President Trump seems to be unaware of or that he simply doesn't care about. Here to discuss the far-reaching effects of the shutdown are COK's health reporter Alex Truman and furloughed government worker Sam O'Hare. Glad to have you here. Thanks, Cordell. Hi. Alex, how has the shutdown affected health programs? Well, thankfully for the vast majority of the federal government's public health efforts, it's business as usual. The shutdown is not having any effect on the Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Veterans Affairs. Oh, that's good. Oh, yes. It'd be a real mess if those agencies weren't funded because that would put Obamacare, Medicare, and Medicaid at risk. I would personally be very imperiled without them. I don't want to have to start making penicillin, flu vaccines, and EpiPeds at home. I've done it before, but I really don't want to have to do it again. I can imagine. So what is affected? Well, the FDA has furloughed about 40% of its staff, and even though it will continue recalls of any foods, drugs, and medical devices that pose a high risk to human health, I, I am concerned. I mean, how can you be effective in recalling romaine lettuce tainted with E. coli if you only have a little over half of your staff? Well, I don't know. You can't! That's the goddamn point, Cordell! I'm afraid to eat anything right now. And also, the nation's park service has halted restroom maintenance and trash service for lack of funding. So if you're planning a trip to a national park, don't plan on using the bathrooms unless you like the pungent ambiance of a porta potty on the last day of a music festival. Ugh! Quite. Um, Mr. O'Hare, you've been furloughed for two weeks now. What is your view of the shutdown? Oh, it's great. I, I love not being able to pay my bills or, or literally do anything. 
It's been super fun just sitting in my house watching Price is Right with the space heater on because they shut off my gas. I'm really hoping the shutdown goes on for a while. I take that as sarcasm? Oh, no. The shutdown's really fun. Believe me, just... Just like the president said the other day, we're all behind him. We love that he's holding firm on his wall and keeping us from being paid to do it. Why, I'd never work again if it meant building that wall. I see. Yeah. Yeah, if it's between making money and living my life the way I want or building a wall, it probably won't do anything to keep us safer. I'll I'll take that wall ten times out of ten. For reals. Really? No. No! Trump's an asshole. I need to get my heat back on. And I've got gambling debts. They're going to take my Corvette if I can't pay up. Oh, I'm so sorry. I hope this shutdown ends soon. That was Alex Truman and Sam O'Hare. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Now we turn to books and other works that have recently come into the public domain. A large body of films, music, and books from 1923 entered the public domain on January 1st, the first time that's happened in 20 years. Joining us to discuss what that means are book expert and resident librarian Lynn Ruffle and documentary filmmaker Neil Thanadier. Glad to see you both. Greetings. Hi, Connor. So there are a large number of important works that are now public domain. So, for those that don't know, tell us what that means. Certainly. First of all, these works that have entered the public domain can now be found online and enjoyed free of charge. It also means that people can adapt these works in whatever way they want without any fear of copyright infringement. So anyone can do whatever they want with any of these works? Indeed they can. I'm very excited about all the great works that can now be read for free. Well, you do sound excited, Lynn. Uh Uh-huh. So before we get into the book stuff, Neil, what films were among the ones that just came into public domain? There are a good number of fine older films that are now copyright-free. I was overjoyed to see so many of my favorite silent films on the list. I didn't know you liked silent movies, Neil. Of course I do. I am quite a buff, if I may use the term. I subscribe to Hulu Hush and Shh Time. They are the leading silent film streaming services. I encourage everyone to subscribe. You need to come by for a Buster Keaton marathon sometime, Connor. Oh, I sure will. You too, Lynn. I'll make some popcorn and kettle corn because I know, like me, you have a sweet tooth. (laughs) Thank you, Neil. But I digress. Among the silent films now in the public domain are Buster Keaton's Our Hospitality, Charlie Chaplin's A Woman of Paris, and Cecil B. DeMille's silent version of The Ten Commandments. That film was number two at the box office in 1923. Wow. 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 That is a gross understatement, Connor. It is far superior to DeMille's later version with color and sound, in my opinion. I like my Moses like I like my thoughts. Silent. Fair enough. Lynn, what books are now in the public domain? (gasps) Where do I even begin, Connor? There's so many! I can't wait to start adapting some of these classic works. 
Adapting, huh? Oh, yes. Now that this trove of books is in the public domain, I can start changing the stories and doing amazing new things with the characters. For example, I've loved Sir Walter Scott's classic book, Ivanhoe, since I was a little girl. But I've always wanted to see Ivanhoe square off against mythical creatures. Of course you have. I'm planning to write a new version of Ivanhoe, where he does battle against a Hydra, a Minotaur, and an army of the undead. Well, that will be a very interesting take on the story, Lynn. (laughs) That's nothing. Wait till you hear how I'm planning to adapt Agatha Christie's Murder on the Links. Now, I've always loved her mysteries, but I thought Hercule Poirot could be so much sexier. So, in this one, Poirot will be young, hot, and shirtless. Like Chris Pine, but with that funny little mustache. Sure. And instead of his trusty friend Hastings, he'll be helped out by a timid young librarian named Gwen, who is just aching for Poirot to have his way with her. And instead of a typical murder, it will be a sexy thriller that pits Poirot against an evil cabal of vampires and sorcerers. I'm calling it Murder on the Links, colon, Poirot versus the vampires, comma, an erotic thriller of love and mystery. Wow, that's quite the change. That's why public domain books and stories are so much fun for a book lover like me with a creative imagination. I'm very interested to read it. I'm also working on a futuristic adaptation of Don Quixote called Don Quixote 2049. Sancho Panza is a robot dog in it. Cool. Thanks for coming by, Neil and Lynn. You're welcome. No problem, Connor. it's time for some New Year's Big Little Wins. Our first one comes from Ron Zimmer in San Francisco, who went an entire day with his fly down last week. Now, I know this doesn't sound like a big little win at all, but Ron was thankfully wearing a sweater which covered his fly, so fortunately, none of his co-workers, family, or friends knew that his barn door was wide open. Thankfully, he also wasn't going commando like he sometimes does. Well done, Ron. Kudos also to Dana Kennington in Orlando, who noticed a large spider on her arm in an important meeting last week, and despite her crippling fear of arachnids, managed to keep it together and gently flick her eight-legged friend onto the floor so that nobody noticed. We can't stress how much we admire the fact that you didn't completely lose it, so well done on this very big little win. If you or someone you know has a big little win worth sharing, post it on our Facebook page or send us a tweet. That's all for this week's episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you want more from the best-looking news team in public radio, visit considerourknowledge.com. You can also find stories on our Facebook page or on Twitter at ConsiderOurKnow. Leave us a review on Facebook or on iTunes or at Stitcher.com where you can also subscribe to the podcast. The COK team includes Emily Clausen, Natalie Thorpe, Marianne Wetzel, Jeremiah Knight, Hobart Willis, and Spencer Cannon. Our intern is Ryan Shattuck. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. Really? No. No. Cordell, listen to yourself.
Me! Me! I am not on trial here. Aren't you? I don't think you, you grasp your clothes. <laughs>